I think I'm going to, we're going to begin a little bit of the teaching, and if not, we can finish it. Back in 2012, our Blessed Mother showed us that we as Mothers of the Cross, in our path to union with Jesus, our Bridegroom, are truly His spouses. And we know that the entire church is the bride of Christ. But there are very few souls, the souls of the saints, all of them, actually enter the union of spousal union with Christ. And one of the greatest sufferings of the bridegroom is that he came and he allowed himself to be crucified and pour out his blood to cleanse his bride, to make his bride holy, unblemished, and faithful. And the bride of Christ continues in great part to reject him, to be unfaithful, to betray him. And so as the mothers of the cross, the path to union with our Lord is a path where our Blessed Mother showed us that we are truly made and dressed in a bridal gown, mystical bridal gown, that's very real, and we truly live and enter a most profound and intimate union with our beloved spouse, Jesus Christ, as his bride. And this is a very important part of who we are as our identity as mothers of the cross. So I'd like to review again with you our wedding dress, our wedding garment, and what it signifies. And how this relates to the second part of what I wanted to speak to you about today. On the Feast of the Assumption in 2012, our Blessed Mother revealed to me the wedding gown of the Mothers of the Cross and its significance. She showed us that the veil signifies spousal union. And right there was the first, the beginning, that we are the bride of Christ. The covering of your hair signifies that you belong totally to God. You are no longer of this world. You now live before the gaze of the Father at the foot of his throne. This is so important that we live our lives as mothers of the cross in a greater awareness and an attentiveness that we do live in Mary as the bride of Christ 
in our union with Him, because we are no longer two, but one, like spouses, at the foot of the throne of Abba. I think as mothers of the cross, we all can forget that. But imagine every day, if more and more, we live in the attentiveness that as one with Christ as his bride, we are at the foot of the throne of Abba. The veil and habit is all white and red. This is so significant, especially as we enter the year of mercy. My sisters and daughters, our habit is white and red. Imagine this year of divine mercy year, how important it is for us to remember that every day before the throne of God, we are in the habit of divine mercy. This has to make us all enter and live this year of divine mercy in a new way as mothers of the cross. The veil and habit is all white and red, symbolizing the love and mercy of the sacred heart of Jesus. You live consumed in the sacred heart of Jesus. Then, the length of the veil. Because when our Blessed Mother showed me, the veil was so long it almost touches the back all the way down to the bottom. The veil is super long. And that has a symbolism also. The length of the veil symbolizes the wings of the Holy Spirit. As spouses of Jesus Christ, you are also spouses of the Holy Spirit. You live in the shadow of His wings, which envelop you in His pure love. His wings cover you as you live before the throne of the Father. Again, the stressing that we live before the throne of Abba, covered by the wings of the Holy Spirit. His wings protect you from the snares of the devil. His wings lift you to receive the kiss of union from your beloved. This is very important. The Eucharist is the kiss of union of Jesus the Bridegroom with his bride. When we receive the Eucharist, we are receiving Jesus in his flesh. Therefore, the Bridegroom comes in us to give us his kiss. A few years ago, the Lord taught me how to give Him my kiss. And I would like to share this with you. Because as mothers of the cross and brides of the bridegroom, whenever we go to receive the Eucharist, we have to see ourselves walking up the aisle 
to go receive the Eucharist as the brides of Christ. We need to be prepared to receive his kiss and to give him our kiss. This is what the Lord taught me, and this is what I always say when I receive the Eucharist. And these were, this is exactly how the Lord taught me to give him the kiss. So I say to him, receive my kiss of love. And I actually, with my eyes closed, see myself giving Jesus my kiss. Receive my kiss of love. Receive my kiss of gratitude. Receive my kiss of sorrows. Receive my kiss of purity. And receive my kiss of desire to be one with you, no longer two. Many times I ask the Lord, purify my kiss. Purify, my Lord, my kiss of love, my kiss of purity, okay? To make that kiss pure and pure. But we need to learn more and more as mothers have the cross how to live like Ana Segovia's testimony, which I hope to get to, in the concrete, our spousal union, which is a union of great attention to our beloved. So how do we live as brides? Are we attentive to our spouse? Do we kiss him? Are we cariñoso with him? You know, do we listen to him? Do we share our heart with him? You know, it, it, we need to enter an intimacy of, bride, of a bride with her bridegroom. The neckline of our wedding gown is gold representing the living chalices your lives as one with Jesus crucified pours out his love and mercy upon many souls you will collect the blood and tears of suffering of many and through me meaning our blessed mother United to my crucified son. You will collect the blood and suffering through your prayers and union and suffering with the agony of my son. Now, I'm going to come back to this part of the wedding gown as living chalices and how we live that more on a concrete level, okay? Your habit is long representing you are all for the Lord, body, soul, and spirit. I want you to understand that in the path of the cross the Lord has taken us through, He purifies our hearts, He purifies our minds, but He also wants to purify our bodies, our flesh. Most of us on our physical bodies wear the wounds of shame. 
Jesus was crucified as our bridegroom naked. He was crucified naked. That wasn't by chance. God wanted it that way. In order to restore us completely, to again be able to live naked without shame. Original, the new Adams and the new Eves. Most of us, our bodies still because of wounds from the past, wounds from relationships, wear in our bodies a lot of shame. The body of every mother of the cross needs to also be cleansed with the blood of her bridegroom in order to take away all our shame. The Lord wants us shameless. So He wants to heal our sexuality. He wants to heal all our repressions of our bodies, of our sexuality, all the disorders, all of that He wants to heal and it's part of our healing through the path. Hidden in the center of your habit is my heart. This is the heart of Mary. With many thorns embedded very deep to symbolize that like me you are God's hidden martyrs of love. You live adoring, glorifying, loving and thanking Jesus for his interior crucifixion. Your every breath must be in gratitude and love for his hidden martyrdom of love. This is our wedding dress. It is very important that we ponder our wedding dress very often because more and more this has to become it's our wedding dress mystically but more and more it has this wedding dress becomes concretely who we are as the bride it becomes a reality absolutely therefore if you look at our wedding garment in order for this wedding garment so symbolic of, of our identity as mothers of the cross in order for it to become a reality, we must become more and more women of contemplation, women of greater interior silence, of stillness, where we truly see each day ourselves at the foot of our Abba, thanking Him in an intimacy of love with our bridegroom, thanking the Lord for his interior crucifixion.
Around your waist is a rope. This represents the rope tied around Jesus' hands during his trial. You unbound him with your love. And the rope now around you symbolizes your union with him in his agony and crucifixion. It's as if Jesus' hands were like this, tied. Our love with Mary came and untied him. The Lord took that rope and tied it around our waist so that we would not forget that we are bound to him in spousal union. And that as one with him in this mystical and real union, we live unbinding others from their sin and their oppression. And finally, your habit is mostly white, symbolizing your purity as living hosts. You will be one with the power of God in the Eucharist for the salvation of many and the consolation of my son. The two parts of our mission, to save, help redeem, transform many souls into the new Adams and new Eves, and to be a constant consolation to our spouse, the faithful bride that remains at his side, loving him, kissing him, consoling him, suffering with him. That is who we are. And each of you have the responsibility, and I, to meditate this before the Lord and to beg the Holy Spirit and our Blessed Mother to make this a reality of our lives. So I spent some time reading and I finished a beautiful book that needs to become part of our reading list of this community, Jesus the Bridegroom. The greatest love story ever told. I don't know, I don't think it's in Spanish, so I'm sorry for that for our sisters in Colombia. But I, I'll share some things. Um, this part of the book had to do with marriage. But it applies to whether you're married or not. But I want to, to speak a little bit about how as mothers of the cross, we live our spousal union as wives and also as single women. In 100, page 153 of that book, it says, Paul is saying, in regards to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 through 33, which, where it talks about husband and wives, that Christian marriage between a man and a woman should be like the supernatural love between Christ and the church. Jesus' self-gift to the church is sacrificial love, agape. 
which he expresses above all by laying down his life on the cross for his bride. That's in Ephesians 5.25. Therefore, Paul is calling the Christian husband to take the role of spiritual leadership through self-sacrificial love and in this way to act as a kind of living icon of Christ the Bridegroom. That is the identity for every missionary of the cross. For us it's the Mother of Sorrows who is the perfect bride. For the missionaries of the cross it's Christ the Bridegroom. Likewise, Paul is instructing the Christian wife to place herself under the mission, in the Latin submissio, of her husband's sacrificial love, and in this way to act as a living icon of the church. Now the next paragraph you have is very important for us. It says, the goal of Christian marriage is not just to emulate the marriage of Christ in the church. Its purpose is also to bring about the sanctification and salvation of the spouses. For many, if not most people, the primary goals of marriage are the companionship of spouses, the union, and the procreation of children. For Paul, the deeper aim of Christian marriage is also the eternal salvation of the husband and wife. For Jesus the bridegroom, loved his bride and died for her not just to be united to her and to produce spiritual children of God but also so that she might be holy and without blemish. Now this part spoke volumes to me and it is very important and connected to our mystical spousal union with Christ. He says, When the Christian wife supports her husband and respects him by refusing to criticize him or tear him down, she too becomes a living icon of the church's joyful response to the sacrificial love of Jesus the Bridegroom. In order for us to live as holy, unblemished brides of Jesus the Bridegroom, we have to refrain, my sisters, from all criticism. The women that are married this is so important to take to heart. I don't know in the United States how many of you have seen the movie War Room. Yeah. Okay, 
I really recommend every mother of the cross in the United States to watch the movie War Room. It's War, W-A-R, Guerra. It's her closet. It's her prayer room. This movie, when it comes out um, on the internet, maybe you can get it in Colombia, is the life of a mother of the cross. They're warrior women. And they don't even understand victim. I mean, so imagine I'm thinking, watching the movie with my husband, thinking, imagine us as victims united to the victim, the power. But we must understand that, well, let me, let me show you the next thing, and I think it'll all come together for you. This week, I was meditating, I don't remember which day, on the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I'm going to read it to you. And I'm going to share with you what the Lord taught me. It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered right. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think provide neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers, I mean proved? He said, The one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. I was outside having lunch, meditating and contemplating, and I was praying to the Lord for a greater grace to love my husband better. And I was asking the Lord, my Lord, how do I love my husband better? How do I love him better? And the Lord showed me, Lordis, your husband is that man wounded on the street. That 
is the one you have to approach. And what I felt in my heart is the Samaritan that came, he just didn't help him a little. He lavished him with compassion and love and tenderness. Lavished. He went all out. He gave of himself completely to heal him. And the Lord was showing me that as his bride, whether you're married or not, it doesn't matter. Because all of you have men in your lives, whether they're fathers, brothers, employees, friends, spiritual sons, priests. All of you have men in your lives. All our men are very wounded. Our husbands are wounded. And many times the men are not able to enter into the intimacy and make themselves vulnerable to enter those wounds. And they're laying there on the side of the road. And many times as women, we act like the priest and who's the other one? The Levite. Because we see them wounded and continue on our way. We see them wounded and rather put them aside. Don't want to be contaminated. Juliana just saying right now, don't want to be contaminated. And you know how we do that? I have learned through the years, through many mistakes that I have made as a married woman and as a woman of God with other men, as far as friends, and is criticism. Critic, a woman that criticizes doesn't get us anywhere. Most of the men's wounds are from their wounded fathers and mothers. If they're from mothers, it's because they didn't receive the tenderness from their mothers. And if it's from the fathers, it's usually because they didn't receive the affirmation. So what most of our spouses and men in our lives need is a woman that can affirm them. A woman that can be fully in her femininity, tender and loving, praying, as the brides of Christ, as the living chalices, as the Lord has taught us for the men of our lives. And therefore, the words that touched me, which I want you to highlight and really place in your hearts from the book, the, Jesus the Bridegroom, is a Christian wife refuses, refuses, to criticize him or tear him down. Criticism for the men in our lives and our priests that are wounded on the side of the street is a tear down. And we, as the bride of Christ, must, through our femininity, our tenderness, our love, raise them 
That is how we live as the bride of Jesus, the bridegroom. We have to see what has happened in us where our harshness still is in our own hearts. Where our critical, even sometimes if we don't speak it, we have critical hearts. And we have to look at that. 